together on this Sunday night. Lord, I thank you for Sunday night folks. Lord, I thank you for, for those that desire to hear a word from the Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the Spirit of God that's been at work in our church today. Lord, thank you for just the impact you've had on our lives. And thank you, Father, that you didn't leave us the way that you found us. But Lord, you're still working on in redeeming and restoring. And Lord, we give you glory for that. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. I pray, God, for your anointing over the word tonight, that it would quicken and, Lord, that it would break the yokes. And, and Father, we thank you for that. I ask, Lord, tonight for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And, Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive what the Spirit of God is speaking to us tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty and matchless name, everybody says. Well, hallelujah. So Proverbs chapter 14, we're going to be beginning in verse number 26, if you have your Bible there. So Proverbs 14, beginning in verse number 26, one of the things we're going to be looking at in this passage is fear. And most everybody has been plagued by fear in their life. And the reality is, is that our world is crippled by fear today. People are fearful of uh, pandemics and pestilences and they're, they're fearful of politicians, and they're fearful of all kinds of things that are going on in the world today. Uh, but how many of you know that, that, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, right? But of power, love, and a sound mind. And so many people today are given over, and, and actually what happens is uh, fear will actually move you away from what God wants you to do and what God wants you to be. God wants you to be, a, God wants you to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ in the last days. These are the last days, and God wants to empower you to be an effective witness for him. God did not, God did not call you to save you and put you off in a corner somewhere, but he called you and he saved you so that he could fill you with the Holy Ghost, not so you could only do backflips in church, but so you would be a bright light to those that are in dark places. Amen. The light of God shining through you to touch other people's lives is what God wants to do. When Jesus said, tarry until you're endued with power from on high, that power was not for a great church service, but for an effective evangelist. God wants to empower you so that others can see his work in your life. Amen. And so God, in order to do that, God came down to do it in you. God's not asking for your intellect. He's not asking for your charm. He's not asking for your nothing. He's asking for your surrender that he could come and live inside you and do it in you. Amen. How many of you know God's the doer? Yes, amen. amen. We're the surrenderer and God's the doer. It's got to be the power of God. It's not by might and it's not by strength, but it's by the spirit of the Lord. That's how these things are accomplished. And the things that we want to see accomplished in our generation, and I don't know, if the Lord comes back tonight, then hallelujah, we're going to have a great time at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But if God don't come back, we need God to move in our, in our land. We need God to move. Our, our land is wicked. Our politicians are wicked. Our schools are wicked. I mean, we have wickedness all around us. We need the Holy Ghost more than ever in this generation. This is not the generation where we can get by on religiosity and start denominations. This is not the generation where we can get by with cute Sunday school lessons and book reports or jokes or movies. This is the generation where we're going to have to seek the face of God, get along with God, and get filled with the power of God by the Spirit of God. 
and be his witness to those that are lost and dying. There's people around us that are lost and dying, and they need God. They need God. You know that you're that person that God wants to use to reach the people around you? Sure, God could pass you by, but I don't know about you. I don't think that's ever worked out good for anybody to get passed over by God. I don't think anybody ever said, I'm so glad God passed me by. Amen. I don't want to be the kind of person that God passes by. I want to be the kind of person that's available for God to use. Amen. Just like when God was passing by Eli, God was moving off of Eli because Eli was allowing sin. He was allowing his children to sin. He didn't stop his children from sin. And God was passing by Eli. So he called out Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Amen. I don't want to be the kind of person that turns a deaf ear to God. Amen. God's looking for someone to use in the last days. And that someone is you. Amen. But there's a couple of things that we're going to get, get in tonight. I believe that the Lord wants us to focus on this uh, portion of Scripture here in, in Proverbs 14, beginning in verse number 26. It says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Verse 27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death two verses talking both about fear but this is a godly fear there is an ungodly fear and a godly fear and you need to distinguish the difference you see uh brother tozer said it like this he said a and this was in the 60s right but he said a scared world needs a fearless church a scared world needs a fearless church and and you know what the world needs today they need a church that has the holy ghost the church doesn't need our, our, our bros. They don't need our hamburgers. They don't need our, our hot dogs. The, what the world needs today is the Holy Ghost. They need to see a church that is not given over to fear. They need to see a church that is bold by the power of God, not leaning on the arm of the flesh, not leaning on the arm of Joe Biden or Donald Trump, not leaning on the arm of the stock market, not leaning on the arm of anything else, but leaning on God. They need to see a church that is fearless in the face of tyranny. Amen. God's looking for, for somebody to stand up. God's looking for somebody that's willing to be his witness in the, in the last days. Now, it says the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Now, this fear that we're talking about tonight is different than an ungodly fear. Now, you should fear the Lord. The, in other passages, it says that the fear of the Lord is the what? The beginning of all wisdom. Amen. That's where wisdom begins. The smartest thing you could ever do is fear God and God alone. Amen. That's the smartest thing. I'm not the smartest uh, tool in the drawer, right? But, but you know what? If you fear God more than anything else, you've got the beginning of wisdom right there. And the fear of God is, is not, um, you know, oh, he's going to strike me down. The fear of God is I don't want to leave his presence. I don't want to disobey him. I want to be near to him. Just like a, a, a shepherd is, is tending the sheep, 
The best place for that sheep to be is close to the shepherd. Amen. That's the best place it can be. And, and everywhere that shepherd goes, that sheep that truly loves the shepherd and fears that shepherd will stay right there. Will stay right by his side. Follow the tracks of the shepherd. Go where the shepherd leads. He will not lead us astray, but he will lead us to those green pastures. Amen. He will lead us beside still waters. He will lead us to the path we're supposed to go on. Those paths of righteousness. But it is when we when we lose sight of the shepherd and we start following the wind of the world. And I want to tell you something. The, the, the prince of the power of the air is moving very strongly right now. And he is seducing people away from the bride of Christ. He is seducing people out of the church. I don't need the church. He's seducing people away from the word of God. I don't need the word of God. He's seducing people away from the spirit of God. Oh, the spirit of God retired whenever the Bible was written. He's seducing people away from the truth of who God is and what God's doing. And when you get seduced away from the shepherd, guess who you're trusting? The serpent. You're either gonna you're either going to have the fear of the shepherd or the fear of the serpent. And the, and the reality is a lot of people are bound by the serpent today. If the devil starts telling them toilet paper's going off the shelf, you know they're gonna they're gonna run and buy all the toilet paper they can find. We already saw that played out a couple years ago. Didn't we? If they say, oh, the, the dollar bill's done, we're not going to be able to use a dollar bill anymore. Well, I don't know. if that, Has that ever stopped God from providing for his children? I, I can't find anything in here that says God can only provide for his children if the American dollar bill is available. Last time I looked, it just said God's my provider. Amen. So I don't have to trust in the, the things of the world. I can fear my God and not have to worry about it. Amen. And so one of the things that we see here is that when we fear God alone, it produces confidence. It's not, it's not stupidity. It's not ignorance. It's reliance on God. I think a lot of people thought David was, was ignorant whenever he went up against Goliath, don't you? But he had fear of God, not men. Amen. There's a lot of times throughout the Word of God where you see people do great exploits, but it's because they fear God, not men. If you fear, if you fear men, you'll never be the person that God intended for you to be. You will never, because you're going to have to break through that, that pressure and fear God alone. Now, one of the things that we, I want you to, 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 to look at here is that fear actually, the fear of the Lord actually will purify your heart. The more you fear God, the more it will purify your heart. You see, because I don't want to go where God don't want me to go. I don't want to love what God don't want me to love. I don't want to get involved in things God don't want me to get involved in. I want to stay as close to the shepherd as I can. And you know what? The closer I get to the shepherd, it starts purifying my heart. It starts removing those things of the flesh. And I now start loving what he loves and I start hating what he hates. And it takes all those things of the flesh and it's like that boiling water will boil out all those extremities. And and the, the fear of God will begin to take out all those ungodly things that try to pull us away from God. Amen. The fear of the Lord has a purifying effect. It is a, a holy fire. You know, the word of God says God is a consuming fire. And the closer you get to that consuming fire, he will remove all those things that are contaminating your spirit. 
Amen. How many of you think that it's very easy to be contaminated today? Very easy to be contaminated. You can't look. I, I I don't have cable. I don't encourage cable. But I I probably would say this. You probably can't watch one one commercial on TV right now without some kind of sin being involved in it. It and and kids today on the video games. It's killing. It's murder. It's this. It's this. One of the most popular movies right now. They I've seen churches have even in their in in their movie sermon series. Uh, the, the latest Top Gun movie. And I want to just tell you this. I think it's two or three times they GD. Yes. And they are using this movie in churches. And I don't care how patriotic it is. If you curse God, you've broken one of the Ten Commandments. Amen. And a Christian ought not have anything to do with that kind of stuff. But the reality is, the closer you get to the shepherd, the more you get away from that kind of filth. The more you get a, that, that stuff, that, those things will contaminate you. And in the generation that we live right now, people are easily contaminated. They are easily contaminated. And what the, the quickest fix to that is get some fear of God. Get some fear of God. You know, I heard an illustration say one time, the, the, the best illustration for the fear of God is, is like a, a, a child that was walking in a snowstorm and the father was taking steps. Boom, boom, boom. And the child couldn't go anywhere, but he could step wherever the father stepped. And if he, if he didn't step, he would get lost in the snow. And so he had to make sure that every step he took was exactly where the father's step was. And you know, that's how we should live our life. And it will purify your heart. Everywhere you know God is leading, that's the safest place for you to step. Boom. But if God's not leading you that way, you ought not go that way. That's the fear of the Lord in a nutshell. But it says that the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. You see, my confidence is not in myself. My confidence is not in my church. My confidence is not in my denomination. We don't have one. My confidence is not in, you know, my health. My confidence is not in my house. My confidence is not in my bank. My confidence is in one thing, God. That's where my confidence is. And you know, when we begin to put our confidence in things, those things begin to rot. You hear me? You begin to put your confidence in things, God will have no rival. God is second to none. And if we begin to put our confidence in the things of the world, those things of the world will, will rot right in our hands. Now, it says that the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. His children have a place of refuge. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Now, the, the fountain of life, you know, Jesus said, he that believeth on me out of his belly shall what? Flow rivers of living water. Amen. It, the, as you fear God, you see it becomes a fountain of life. That, that's what the church needs. The church needs the fountain flowing again. The church needs the real thing. We, if you've got the real thing, you don't need smoke machines. You don't need smoke and mirrors when you've got the real. Amen. You don't need those things when you've got the real. 
You, when, you, when you have that fountain of living water flowing out of you, you don't need to go beg, borrow, and steal from every Tom, Dick, and Harry when you've got the fountain of living water flowing from your innermost belly. Amen. That's what the church needs. The reason why... The reason why so many people are profiting off of the church today and people are pimping the gospel and selling the church out is because the church doesn't have the fountain of living water. As soon as we get that fountain back flowing in the church, we've got to get apostolic again. I mean, we've got to get the, 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 the Spirit of God moving in our church just like the church began in the book of Acts. We need to get back to that river flowing in our lives again. And when we do, we won't need what the world has. That's what we need. And, and the thing is, it says here that it's a fountain of life, meaning that that's where our source of joy comes from. That's where our confidence comes from, our reliance. And it says that it, it's to depart from the snares of death. And one of the commentators says that, this, that, that snares of death, it actually means the, the sin that easily ensnares the heart. And I just want to touch on that for a minute. Because you see, as you fear God and as, as that fountain of living water begins to flow in our lives, one of the things that happens is, is it clears the heart out. But if we're not fearing God, there are things that will entrap your heart. As you, as you draw back from God, as you pull back from God, as you hide from God, things will begin to attach to your heart. And these snares, and, and you know that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Yeah, not nine out of ten times. Ten out of ten times. The wages of sin. There's a paycheck for sin. And if you pull back from God, if you shrink back from God, if you stop, you know, pressing in on God, if you pull back from God, the wages of sin is death. It will produce some kind of damage in your life. And usually not only your own, but other people too. It'll produce hardship. It'll produce death. But these things will entrap you. That, that word ensnare, that one of the things that you see is that when the heart doesn't have that, that fountain flowing in it, things will attach to the heart. That's when we get caught up in things we shouldn't be caught up in. That's when we, we get involved in things we shouldn't be involved in. We go down roads we should have never gone down. Go places we should never go. Knock on doors we should have never knocked on. Walk in doors we should have never walked in. Amen. That happens in our life when we don't have that fountain of living water flowing again. When we're not fearing God like we're supposed to and we're not full of that living water. See, that's what the church needs is that living water. I'm convinced that in the last days that the, the church is going to have to get back to those apostolic days. Just the same way the church came in, the book of Acts is the same way God's going to expect when the rapture happens. He's, he's looking for a church that's filled with the power of God again. Amen. I, and I, I believe that God's going to get us to the point to where we can't even rely on electricity. I mean, we are relying on the arm of the flesh to keep our churches beautiful rather than the presence of God. And I don't believe God likes it too much. God, God plays second fiddle to none. 
And I think any area that we any area that we rely on the arm of the flesh is a dangerous place. Dangerous place. And yet, even in our generation, we see so many people leaning on the arm of the flesh. I call it stale water. You see, you're either living off come on now. You're either living off of stale water or living water. And you know the the the, the nastiest thing you can do is drink stale water. It is. It is that I mean it is that that's when you get bacteria growing. It's when you another thing, another description for stale water you might recognize. We'll call it lukewarm. Room temperature. Lukewarm. And and you know what? If we're not and you got to get this, you're either living off of the fountain of life, living waters flowing out of your innermost being or you're drinking from stale water there's no in between one of the two and and God gives you that opportunity to come to him Jesus said he that believeth on me believeth means an ongoing participation he that believeth on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water that's what God wants in your life you know that the people around you can't give you that? Our parents can't give that to us. Our spouses can't give that to us. Our children can't give that to us. Our churches can't give it. Only comes from God. Amen. He that believeth on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. God wants to do that in you. God wants to do that in you. You might be like, oh, pastor, oh, man, you're stepping all over my toes. Well, you know what? Yesterday's over. Let today be the day that you drink from the fountain of life. Let today be the day that you drink from the right fountain. We've lived off of stale water for too long. It's time for us to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and drink from that water that flows from the throne above. Amen. I want to drink from that, that river that flows from the throne above. Amen. Now, stale water is, is like um, idle hands. You know, they say idle hands is the devil's playground, right? Stale water is the same way. You drink from what the world gives you, you opening yourself up to the demonic. And I want to tell you something. The devil don't play. Demons don't play. In the last days, just like I said, I believe they're going to be apostolic because God's going to get the church back to leaning on the, the arm of God and the power of God and the spirit of God in the last days. The demonic world is going to increase in the last days. We're going to see. Uh, and one of the things I pray, I used to pray it a lot more than I do now because, I mean, things get crazy right now. But I used to pray, Lord, tear down every curtain, uh, you know, open everything up so that the that which is evil is exposed so that we can get rid of it. Amen. Open that up. Let that evil be exposed so we can call that thing out, cast it out, and get it out in Jesus' name. Amen. But you know, the, the devil, he masquerades. How many of you know that the devil masquerades? He masquerades as something. He don't masquerade with a pitchfork either. He don't masquerade with a red tail. You know what the devil masquerades as? An angel of light. An angel of light. Well, you know, a lot of times in the church world, we get folks masquerading. Amen. We get folks masquerading in the churches. 
We get folks masquerading all the time. And the difference is, well, you may not be the devil. I hope you're not. But the reality is, is if if we're drinking from stale waters, we are at his bidding. We are at his bidding. He can use us, manipulate us. Sometimes people don't even realize when they've been used by the devil. But when you're drinking stale water, you open yourself up to that. But, uh, but the devil does masquerade as an angel of light. You see, when you, don't, when you don't have that, when that fountain's not flowing, those traps start growing. When the fountain's not flowing, the traps start growing. They begin to entrap your heart and pull you away from the one that bought you. They begin to pull you away from the one that loves you. They begin to pull you away from the one that laid down his life for you. Turn with me to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. I told you that the devil masquerades as an angel of light, but even in the church world, we have people that masquerade. People masquerade as righteous. Beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, ain't right. That's the way we say it. But, you know, you can masquerade as anything. But God knows the truth. And Jesus actually said, we're not supposed to pay attention to that outward. He said, you shall know a tree by its what? Fruit. What comes out of it? Not its appearance. You can't, if, you, if you only go by the appearance, if you only go by the outer extremity, you don't know. That's, that's how people get misled by people that aren't right with God. And don't, and don't kid yourself. The devil's not afraid to come into church. He's not. He's, oh, he could never come and, 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 and be in the presence. And what do you think he did in the book of Job? What do you think he did when he led Jesus in, and he was tempting Jesus in the desert? Amen. Look at this in Matthew 23, verse 23, 23, 23. Jesus said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and ants and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. In other words, and, and, and he says, you blind gods which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, I'm going to stop right there just for a second, but I just want you to see that the Lord Jesus is not saying you shouldn't do these little things, but he's saying you perfected the little things, but you let the big things go. And he said, it's, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't, like, I don't like it when gnats are close to me because I, I feel like I might breathe one in my nose or something. So I'm trying to swat at the gnats. But he said, you, what you're doing is you're swatting at gnats, but you're swallowing camels. You're letting the big things choke you out. And you're focusing on the little things. But you should be doing both. But, you know, whenever our hearts are ensnared by certain things and not God, Whenever we fear men and not God, then we begin to then then we begin to not flow right. Our hearts not pure anymore. The fear of God hasn't purified us all the way. 
And it says in verse 25, Jesus said this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. You see, the outside is easy to maintain. You don't don't necessarily need the power of God to clean the outside. You can get a power washer and give somebody a makeover, but only God can change somebody on the inside. God is the one that changes the heart. He's the one that takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. He's the one that takes out the old and puts in the new. We are renewed on our inner, in our inner man every day. And it is the Spirit of God that we need on the inside. Now, God will begin to manifest to the outside. You can't, some folks get alone with God and you can't wipe the smile off their face like Moses. You couldn't wipe the glow off of his face because he had been alone with Jesus. And here in the church world today, we have people that would rather paint the outside, but they neglect the inside. And I just want to tell you today, God's not satisfied with church folks that look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are drinking from stale water. God's not satisfied with that. God loves you more than to let you continue just keeping the outside maintained and beautified and just just barely getting by off of stale, lukewarm water with all kinds of bacteria in it that is ensnaring your heart and pulling you away ever so slightly, but ever so deadly away from God. God's not satisfied with that. God would rather you cleanse that inside. Sometimes when this verse is preached, people don't preach that last verse that I preached. You see, Jesus is, he, uh, he told the Pharisees and he told them, you're hypocrites because you've got that, the, the, the outside is decay. But he said, cleanse that first. Cleanse it. He didn't say, you low down dogs, get away from me. He called them hypocrites, but he said, cleanse that on the inside. You see, the heart of God is to redeem mankind. The heart of God is to save the lost. Even the religious folks that have lost their way, God still has that voice of the shepherd saying, you've strolled away from me, now come back. Let's get this thing right. You've, you've missed it. You've gone the wrong way. You've drunk from the wrong fountain. But it's time to come back and get this thing right. Cleanse that first on the inside. You know, a lot of people settle for a, an outer holiness but not an inner holiness. You know what I mean by that? An outer holiness is when we, when we, uh, when we wear the tie or we have on the right clothes. Oh, it's church. You got to wear the right clothes. But they don't yearn for the inner holiness. See, God, God's standard is holy. And just because we have an outer holiness doesn't mean we, we have an inner holiness. See, these Pharisees, they had the outer holiness. And God's standard is still holy. God is holy. His standard's holy. Those that go to heaven are going to be holy. Holy, holy, holy. See that? God's holy, his standards holy, and people that go to heaven, they're going to be holy. So he's holy, holy, holy. 
And, and, and God is not um, tricked because we wear the right clothes. He's not tricked. He knows exactly what's going on in my heart. He knows exactly what's going on in our hearts. He does. And that should put the fear of God in us. And that's the beginning of wisdom. That's where our confidence comes from. And that's where the fountain will begin to flow in your life again. But you see, you've got to come back to this place to where you're not satisfied having an outer holiness without the inner holiness. Holiness comes from God. It does. It comes from God. So I want to encourage you, don't settle for anything less than God's holy standard on the outside and on the inside. Don't settle for it. Don't say, oh, you know, I wore the right clothes, but I watched the wrong movies. I got the right, I, I got the right kind of Bible, but I've got the wrong kind of music. You see, don't, don't settle for having the outer when the inner's not where it needs to be. God's looking for some folks that have a heart for him. He's looking for folks. Yes, when your heart's right, you'll begin to do the other stuff right too. But notice what he said. He said, cleanse first that inner, then the outer. Outer will come. You got to teach people, train people, yeah. But one of the things that we, we cannot do in the last days is settle for an outer form of religion. Amen. And settle for an outer form of godliness. And not know the power of God. We can't. There's, there's too much things at stake right now. Your soul and the people around you. Amen. This is a dangerous time that we live in. People's hearts are failing them. Outer religion won't cut it. People need to see a holy heart. Holiness of heart is one of the greatest needs we have in the church world today. Holiness of heart. And if you're young or if you're old, it doesn't matter. You need a holy heart. And I pray these young kids, if the Lord tarries, they're going to need more boldness than we ever thought possible. They're going to have to have more boldness than Gideon and David and Joshua combined. They're going to need to be bold because they're going to face every single wicked thing out there. I mean, the devil's going to come with an onslaught, and we can't settle with giving our kids cute little lessons and coloring pages when there's a devil out there that's destroying lives. They need the Holy Ghost. They need the power of God. But I want, we need that. I go back to like what, what Brother Tozer said. He said, a scared world needs a fearless church. What will produce that in the church world is a holy heart. If we get alone with God, we'll see God do it in our generation. How many of you would rather just go to the Lord, let him cleanse that heart, and not settle for anything less than a holy standard, right? Amen. That's what we should do. Let me show you another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
2 Corinthians chapter number 4. One of my favorite stories was, was whenever Moses went up, you know, to the mountain and he got alone with Jesus and, and his face started glowing because, man, the power of God came upon him. He just had that time with the Lord. You know what? When he came down off the mountain, he did not have to tell everybody, I went to church today. He didn't have to tell everybody, I've been alone with Jesus. It was all over his face. The power was there. It's like the apostles, whenever, um, whenever they told the apostles, you know, not to preach, and they began to put them in prison, and be, they said they couldn't figure it out. These are just fishermen. And those Pharisees, they said these are ignorant and unlearned men. But we can tell they've been with Jesus. Wow. What a testimony. That holiness of heart, that consecration, it actually begins to play out once it comes from the right place. They didn't say, man, they dressed the part. They must be good with the Lord. They must know Jesus because they dress like Jesus. They didn't say that. They said, we can tell. They know him. They know him. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Look at this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's start, with, uh, let's start with verse 15. It says, For all things are for your sakes, that through the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. You know, many people today are fainting because pestilences. Many people today are fainting because of pandemics. They're fainting because of the stock market. They're fainting because of politics. They're fainting because toilet paper is not on the shelf. I've seen people lose religion because it wasn't on the shelf. And the reality is, there's a power at work that will cause you to faint not. Do you have it? Do you have within you the power that will cause you to faint not in troublous waters? Amen. Amen. There's a power at work. It's not. Look, if, if, if it wasn't real, I wouldn't preach this. I'm just preaching what the book says. If you believe it or don't believe it, it's between you and God. But God says there's a power that can be within you that will cause you to faint not. And what I'm telling you is that this generation needs that power. This generation needs that power. These young kids, they need this power. They need it. The greatest thing that a parent can do for their children is teach them the way of God. Train them up in the way they should go. Amen. Train them up in the way they should go. But you know what? The greatest thing that you need is God himself. 
Some of us, some of us, we might have blown it. It might have blown us. Maybe we did it. But yesterday's over. Today's a new day. And if you're not being made new today, you done messed up. Today's a day of salvation. Amen. Listen to what God's saying. There's a whole lot of fainting that's going to go on in the last days. Jesus said men's hearts will fail them. Fail. And those things should cause us to draw closer to the shepherd. When Jesus says, I mean, when, when I hear the Lord say that, that few are going to go to heaven, that the road's narrow, and few go that, I mean, that puts the fear of God in me. I want to walk as close to the shepherd as I can just based off of that. But when you look and you see that the Lord says that men's hearts will fail them in the last days, he would have to hurry up and come back. He said, will I even find faith on the earth when I come back? And Paul teaches in Thessalonians that there's going to be a great falling away. Second Thessalonians. It's going to be a great falling away. Well, he's not talking about the world, guys. The world ain't falling away from something they're not at. They already done fell. The falling away is from the church. There's a division happening in the church before your eyes. And if you can't see it, you need to ask the Lord for discernment. Because there's a separation. I'm seeing the same thing play out in every single denomination across the board. It's, it, it's, it's no longer this denomination versus that denomination the, the things are in, in, in coming up into every single denomination. People given over to putting their confidence in the flesh. We've got our church. Uh, we've got our churches not looking like churches. We're, we're putting our confidence in the wrong things. God's wanting us to come back to the simplicity of the message of the cross. To not put our hopes in men and not be moved by things that are pleasant to the eyes. The devil masquerades as an angel of light. He is a seducer of the brethren. That great falling away is not going to be the, the, the world falling from the bar stool to another bar stool. It's going to be folks from the church falling away from the faith. And there's a separation happening in the church. But let's continue on. It says, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's what you need. That's what I need. That's what the church of the living God needs is to not rely on that outward man because the outward man is perishing. There will not be Starbucks in heaven. I don't even think we're going to wear ties in heaven. I don't know, but I don't think so. 
But people today, they put so much confidence on that outward man, but it's that inward man that needs to be renewed day by day. Outward man perishes. It says, for our light affliction, which, but, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See, it's, a, it's an affliction because God's calling on you to, 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 to prioritize the inner man. It's an affliction because your flesh wants to prioritize, like the Pharisees did, the outer your, your flesh and the devil will let you get the outer clean up. But God wants you to, to, to press in to where that inner man is the one that's changed day by day. To prioritize the renewal of your inner man. Prioritize that. It is an affliction, but notice what God says. He said that it works for you in exceeding an eternal way to glory. In other words, it, it, is, it is something that God's going to reward one day. The fact that you chose to pursue God changing you on the inner man, it will work in you an eternal reward. God will make sure, because it, it takes a lot. Look, you, Anybody can put lipstick and makeup and, and suits and ties on anything. But it takes a lot of work to go to an altar every day and ask the Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Remove from me any transgression. Take away from me this filthy heart. Take away from me the things that defile me and renew me, God. Change me. Restore me. Pour your Spirit upon me afresh today, God. This day. It takes a lot of heart work. Yeah. And God, God will reward that one day. We can fool people on the outside, but God sees the inside. And it's an affliction, but it's an affliction that God will reward one day. In this last verse, it says, While we look, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. If you can see it, it's temporary. This flesh you see is temporary. Your flesh is temporary. It is. Whatever you see is temporary. But there's a God in heaven that is eternal. And if you draw near to that God in heaven, that eternal God will come and dwell you. And when he calls you home, amen, when he calls you home, faith will be made sight. Faith will be made sight. But you see, from this day to that day, God's calling on you not to lean on the temporal things that are seen, but on the eternal things that are not seen. Promises of God. The Spirit of God. God's calling on you to not lean on the arm of the flesh, but to trust Him. Put your confidence. Put your confidence in God. The first verse we read, it says, the fear of the Lord, right, is our confidence. 
That's where our confidence comes from, is being as close to the shepherd as possible. And I want you to know that the shepherd, the shepherd is inviting us to come. He is. He's inviting us to come and be changed today. He's inviting us to come. Be changed by the power of God. You know that only the power of God can change you? Only the power of God can change us. We, we can make up all the rules and regulations we want. We can do, we can try, we can put, but you know, that's when people fail. That's a religious merry-go-round. Religious merry-go-rounds can't change anything in the spirit realm. Only one thing can, your faith in God, the power of God. And you know where the power of God is accessed? The cross. Jesus invites you to come to that cross and be changed, not by religiosity, not by what pastor said, not be changed, but your, your, your denomination said, not what they, be changed by the power, the power of God to change you. Trust God. If you come to God and you come by faith in what Jesus did at the cross, the power of God will begin to work in your life, changing you, renewing you. It says in that verse earlier, day by day. That's what we need. We need to be changed day by day. And I want to invite you to come tonight and be changed by the power of God. Amen? Hallelujah. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. God is, God is calling on the church to not lean on the arm of the flesh, but to draw nigh. Amen. And, and that's you. Will you draw nigh to God? Will you draw nigh to God? Don't settle. Don't settle. Stale water hasn't done anything for us. Only living water. Only living water. Amen. All right, Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And Lord, as we open up our altars this night, Father, I pray that you would stir up the church. Lord, we thank you that you invite us, Lord, just like you even told the Pharisees to cleanse that on the inside. Lord, you invite us to come to sit at your feet and to be changed in our innermost being day by day. Lord, we thank you for the power of renewal. We thank you, Lord, for your power that's at work. Lord, we thank you for the cross tonight, that cross. Lord, we thank you for the power of God that is available to each person here tonight. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would, that you would search our hearts and do what is necessary in us. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name, everybody says. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to open up, open up our altars right now and invite you to come forward in Jesus' name.